Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Just call me Swanee. Clemson Sports Talk has come back to drive time. Hello, everybody. Lawton Swan back in the saddle. Once again, it is the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson Sports Talk for you each and every afternoon as you make your way around the great state, South Carolina and beyond, listening to us on incredible radio stations like Fox Sports Radio 1400, the Midlands, right around the world on the iHeart Radio application. Say it with me, three weeks away from the kickoff of the college football season for all you Clemson Tiger fans as it'll be a Labor Day Monday night matchup between the Tigers and the Duke Blue Devils. Just what, 12 days away from the college football season kicking off with Notre Dame and Navy over in Ireland for that one. But man, for Clemson fans, I feel you. You got to wait a little longer. What, what, what was the old uh, say goodbye a little longer, make it last a little longer, give your breath long-lasting freshness <laughs> with Big Red? Yeah. Clemson football kicking off on a, another Labor Day night, it, it kind of makes me feel like we are, the, uh, we are the 1980s version of a Big Red commercial. No little cinnamon gum freshens breath longer than Big Red. So kiss a little longer, stay close a little longer, hold tight a little longer, longer with Big Red. That Big Red freshness lasts right through it. Your fresh breath goes on and on. While you chew it, say goodbye a little longer, make it last a little longer. Give your breath long-lasting freshness with Big Red. Big there you go. I was watching the video. I it looks like the kid, one of the one of the guys in there who's like doing a little lip smacky with his girlfriend while he's away from the band looks like Ralphie from a Christmas story. I'm gonna have to look into that. By the way, uh, speaking of Big Red, uh, real quick before we get you to to Clemson for some updates from Dabo Sweeney following the scrimmage this weekend uh, in Tiger Town, I did see this over the weekend. That Nebraska, the Big Red Machine, remember the the incredible program that Nebraska once was, the storied program under Tom Osborne. The Nebraska Cornhuskers, who came arguably as, as close as anybody in recent memory to winning 
three consecutive national titles. Again, Georgia has a chance to do that. Nebraska won the national championship in 94, 95, and then 97. Three out of four. But Georgia has a chance to become the first team to win three consecutive since Minnesota in 34, 35, and 36. But Nebraska, the five-time national championship winning program, they have the longest, I, cu- I couldn't believe this when I heard it, they have the longest streak in the Power Five of not making it into a bowl game. Now imagine your 1994-95 version of yourself, assuming that, of course, you are alive. But imagine being at this point down the line and recognizing just how far things have fallen. I mean, Tom Osborne took over from Bob Devaney back in 1973. And the Nebraska Cornhuskers went to a bowl game every single season. They were a monster program. Nine wins, 10 wins, 12 wins, 11, 10, 9, 13, 12. I mean, they, they, so in 1993, okay, just to give it to you, they were undefeated going into the Orange Bowl. They got beat in the Orange Bowl. They would have went, they would have been the national champs in 93 uh, if they win that Orange Bowl matchup, I do believe. 94, 13 and 0 win the title. 95, 12 and 0 win the title. 96, a little bump in the road. 11 and 2 win the Orange Bowl. 97-13-0 win the title. Imagine going from that to essentially obscurity. After they win the championship in 97, Frank Solich comes in. They go 9-4 in 98. They go 12-1 in 99, finish number two in the country. They go 10-2, finish seventh. They go 11-2, finish seventh. Then a 7-7 seven and seven season, followed by a 10-3 and three year, and Nebraska fans just weren't happy. They just weren't satisfied anymore, even though Solich had put together some incredible seasons prior to that. Bo Pelini took over for the Alamo Bowl, and the rest has been history. Uh, the last time that they made it to a bowl game was in 2016. Mike Riley, they went 9-4 and four that year. The following season, they were 4-8. and eight. This was 2017, no bowl game. Scott Frost comes in. They think they've got the, the next big hire. Four and eight, five and seven, three and five, three and nine, four and eight. Matt Rule now coming in. The longest streak, I can't believe it, the big red machine, the longest streak in college football of not making it into a bowl game. Absolutely incredible. And for Tiger fans, again, you think about the run Clemson's been on, right, as of late. And what you don't want to see, obviously, is that some 15, 20 years down the line, you're just piddling around, not making it to bowl games. I, I, I don't know how it changed, but it did. And it changed in a mighty big hurry. 
803-450-0086. Text line, phone line again. We'll hear from Dabo Sweeney coming up on the program in just a little bit as the Clemson Tigers had their first scrimmage of fall camp. Yesterday also, though, was a big day for former Clemson Tiger Lucas Glover as Glover won his second consecutive golf tournament, winning the FedEx Cup for his second straight win, as I mentioned, this time beating Patrick Cannelly uh, in a playoff. Glover made three huge putts just to stay in the game and then hit the most important shot of the day to beat Cannelly on the first extra hole at the St. Jude Championship. Unbelievable the run that he's been on. Glover's 43 years old. Two weeks ago was number 112 in the FedEx Cup standings and preparing for an early end to his season. Well, now he's assured to play in the FedEx Cup finale at Eastlake and perhaps has earned consideration for the Ryder Cup with his uh, you know, with his back-to-back stellar weekends. Glover made a 20-foot par putt and a 30-foot bogey putt and a 12-foot par over the final six holes to pull within one under and force a playoff with Cannelly. And from there, Glover becomes just the third player in his 40s to win back-to-back weeks in the PGA Tour in the past 25 years, joining Vijay Singh and Kenny Perry. I mean, what a couple of weeks for the former Clemson Tiger golfer, again, Lucas Glover, our good buddy Tim Beret, who joins us on Wednesday, excuse me, who joins us on Thursday, will certainly uh, be excited to talk about Glover and the job that he's done over the past couple of weekends, uh, reigniting his, is it, is it a season? His year? Maybe the better terminology there. Uh, reinvigorating his year uh, on the golf tour. And I mentioned Glover moving up. Coming into the weekend, uh, he had vaulted up to 49th. He now moves into fourth in the FedEx Cup standings. (laughs) What? What? Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. He's the first 40-year-old or up golfer to win the FedEx Cup playoff or to win a FedEx Cup playoff since Tiger Woods won the FedEx Cup Championship Tournament in Atlanta back in 2018. Glover shot rounds of 66, 64, 66, and 69. The same as Canty, of course, on the 72 holes. They went to the 18th tee for the playoff. Cantley, uh hit his drive into the water. Left off the fairway, Glover hit his drive, smoked it right down the middle, and that was the difference. Glover played at Clemson from 1998 to 2001 and was a two-time first-team All-American. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? 
In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. And with the victory, he took home $3.6 million, which is the largest check won by any former golfer in Clemson history. So congratulations to Lucas Glover for not just one spectacular weekend, uh, but two. And can he keep his hot streak going? I mean, that'll be, that'll be the big question. But speaking of a hot streak, man alive. It was a hot day in Tigertown on Saturday as Dabo Sweeney met with the media following Clemson's first scrimmage of fall camp, but he called it Camp Kool-Aid because that's what they've been dealing with, and he thought the heat was good for the team. Well, it was a, it was a, it was a hot one. We finally got what we've been waiting on after Camp Kool-Aid last couple of days at, uh, at Derby. We got some we got, got some heat today, and it was uh, it was just what we needed. You know, we needed a day where at some point, you know, the wall was going to show up. And I want to see kind of how the guys would push through. It was incredibly competitive. I don't know, we probably had 100, probably 20 plays or so. It was a lot. We got a, a lot of special teams work, uh, a lot of good on good, mixed it up a little bit as well, and uh, really did everything today except two minutes. So we'll hit, we'll hit that again on Monday and then again on Wednesday in our second scrimmage. But, uh, you know, the biggest thing I'd say is just really competitive. Uh, there were some big plays on both sides. Um, kind of a carryover from what I've seen in practice each day uh, from just, again, a competition standpoint. I thought defense really started really well, didn't finish as well. Offense had a, had a uh, few plays and, and a, you know, we get a fumble, we get a pick, didn't finish a couple of drives, but then I thought they finished uh, well at the end of practice. But, but and everything in between, just, just uh, overall very competitive day. It wasn't a day where one side dominated and, and uh, usually that's the case when you come out to these first scrimmages. It's usually, you know, kind of one, one side kind of wins the day after, you know, we've been together all day, every day for 11 days. Um, and, uh, you know, so um, I, thought, uh, I thought the guys responded pretty good. And, um, you know, nothing I'm really disappointed in other than just had a couple of uh, critical penalties out in space that, that negated a couple of big plays, had a couple of illegal substitutions. You know, those are things that, that really cost you big time. We jump off side. We're not lined up properly on a field goal. We make the field goal, so now it's got to come off because we're not all the way up on the line of scrimmage. Um, but, you know, as far as just kind of what I call football penalties, you know, it was actually a pretty clean day. But, but losing the Clemson penalties, uh, we, had, we had a few too many of those uh, that, uh, you know, we had to clean up. I had the ACC officials out here today, so that was really good for all of us, for coaches and and players, and they, I mean, these are these are critical days when you only get two preseason games, if you will. Um, three weeks from tomorrow, we'll be heading up to Duke, so 
it's going to come fast, and, and we got one more again preseason game, and then we'll still have a little competitive work. But, but you know, a week from Monday, we'll start really turning the page to um, to just our opponent prep. Dabo Sweeney was asked about an injury to Hunter Helms and the fact that he was out and whether or not that might mean that Christopher Vazina ended up being the backup quarterback. But Sweeney pumped the brakes on that, saying, oh, no, that's why they brought in Paul Tyson. Uh, no, I think Paul Tyson would be the, would be the backup right now. CV is, is uh, you know, coming. Uh, but, you know, Paul's a fifth-year guy. He's got a lot of knowledge, you know, three years in Alabama, a year at Arizona State. He's been exposed to a lot. Uh, he's uh, he, he would he would you know just knowledge wise uh, uh, you know kind of be be the bridge guy right now, but CB definitely um, you know if we, if we had some type of long term deal then yeah I mean if something happened to Cade or something like that then you know then that changes that changes everything uh, when it comes to CB but but uh, just as a as a the next guy you know and what we're trying to do that's that's what we brought Paul here for. Because uh, we, we don't we want to we want to try to hold CV if we can so you know it would probably take something to happen to K to change that uh, you know we feel good about Hunter we feel good about uh, uh, Paul you know Paul I didn't get to see him you know in the spring and uh, he, you know he's a very knowledgeable guy um, you know, he he doesn't run quite like um, he, he and Hunter are similar he doesn't run he doesn't run like K you know run like CV. But, you know, he, he's got a good understanding. He knows when to get rid of the ball. And again, just real good command of what we're doing, you know. So, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's really glad we got it. And then and I'll tell you, Trent Pierman, he probably had the best drive of the day today. Uh, I thought he really kind of sparked the offense. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's just a kid that's got some moxie. That's the best thing I can say. And, you know, he's just got a little moxie. He's got a little – It'll just gamesmanship to him, and you just kind of go, well, there's Spearman. He just makes some plays, uh, and he's, he did that all through high school. So he's getting better. Um, so we'll get Hunter back you know, sooner than later. And, and uh, I hate Hunter's not healthy because, you know, I really want to see him and Paul kind of compete. But but it, it, it's, it's also been good because Hunter got the spring, Paul didn't. So now Paul's been able to get all this work. Uh, so that we hopefully can come out of this thing feeling really good about those three guys with our plan of trying to hold CB. Again, something happened to Cade, that would probably change things. Again, that's Dabo Sweeney following Clemson's first scrimmage of the fall camp on Saturday. Uh, he mentioned there that the only way they'd really work CB is if something serious happened to Cade. You can obviously understand that. But speaking of Cade Klubnick, in this offense under Garrett Riley, Dabos, when he was asked what he saw from the sophomore quarterback. He did good. Uh, he had one bad play, and it was really more, I'd say, a good play by the defense. They had a great call, had a little zone blitz, and, and uh, he just didn't see the end dropping. Uh, Denoff, Denoff got him one. But, uh, man, Cade, Cade did a, a nice day. You know, he's, he's just very steady, man. He's a high-energy guy, um, and um, – you always feel like feel like you got a chance when he's out there on the field. Made some beautiful throws, uh, some really really beautiful throws. Made a couple of nice plays. We extended the play. Um, you know, he's just got a he's just he's just got a, he's in a really good place uh, mentally, so and physically. Uh, but uh, you know, he certainly had a couple he'd like to have back. But, but overall, you know, solid first day. Dabo Sweeney was also asked about freshman defensive lineman Peter Woods, who was a force to be reckoned with during Clemson's spring game and whether or not he was as dominant Saturday as he was back in April. 
But Sweeney said that that just wasn't the case, but there was a name that we've been talking about. We actually had a great story about on our website who did stand out from the bunch. Uh, I don't think so. I think it was competitive on both sides. You know, the guy to me today was was Xavier Thomas. Uh, he he was he was a problem, um, and um, you know, which I was, that's good to see him. Maskell, I saw Maskell. Maskell made a couple of plays, flashed. You know, we're kind of we're trying to we, we held root today. Uh, he'll probably scrim, he'll scrimmage on Wednesday. You know, kind of we got some guys that have played a lot of snaps. We <clears throat> we played Putnam, but we limited his reps today. Uh, some of our high career snap guys, you know, we're trying to try to be smart with those guys, you know, we're, we're between you know this day and Wednesday. Um, so Rook, Rook will get some, he'll get a lot of work on Wednesday, and Tyler Davis will probably, you know, drink a lot of Gatorade. Uh, so we're, we're just kind of mixing and matching a little bit from a vet standpoint. Some of these guys, you know, that I know are, are ready to go play. You know, we've gotten them enough work, enough live work uh, to make sure they're sharp. So there you heard that Dabo Sweeney mentioning that Xavier Thomas, Xavier Thomas was the guy that stood out to him. And I, I know that is a welcome statement for a lot of Clemson Tiger fans. Again, we had a great story. Over 2,000 of you shared it. Resilient Xavier Thomas returns for one last roar at Clemson. Go check out that story. 6,000 of you ventured in. Come join us. $1 gets you started. Sixty-three seventeen after that. That's right, I said it. $63.17 to join Clemson Sports Talk and support what we do. All right, we'll hit a quick break. We'll come back. We'll hear a little bit more from Dabo Sweeney as Camp Kool-Aid <laughs> turned the heat up in Death Valley on Saturday as the Tigers had their first scrimmage of the fall camp. Back at it on the Monday afternoon, the show that shakes the Southland, Dabo Sweeney following Clemson's scrimmage on Saturday in Death Valley. He was asked about kicker Robert Gunn. Uh, I put in an article on Saturday night. Maybe you should call him Robert Cannon because wait until you hear uh, what kind of cannon for a leg this guy's got, uh, according to Dabo Sweeney. I don't know if we'll ever actually see any of this in a real game, but if Dabo Sweeney is to be believed, uh, it sounds as if the Tigers may have uh, per perhaps their best kicker from distance Ever. Robert was awesome. He's been he's been great all week. I mean, he hit one yesterday that was uh, to to win the national championship. That was uh, we didn't even have goalposts. Uh, so I so said we got got to kick it over the camera guy in the tower, and and the camera guy in the tower couldn't touch it. Uh, it went over his head, right over the middle of the tower. It was unbelievable. Good from seventy. Uh, so we're starting to gain some confidence. Uh, be surprised if we line up from 70 at some point. I mean, he's just, it's amazing. He hit one from 60 today uh, and really kind of sparked it. So he's had, a, he's had a really good camp. He's in a really good spot. Uh, really pleased uh, with just our whole battery and the operation right there. It's, we're starting to really uh, settle in. And then uh, actually Aiden, Aiden's leg's a little sore last day, so we actually held him today, which is also good. He's had a good camp and, and uh, really gave Jack some more work, and I'm pleased with Jack. He and Brody. Brody, both those guys, you know, Brody's starting to come on, and, and, and we got a little competition there, so uh, it's good to see a third guy kind of emerge. And, uh, man, I'm pleased with Jack. I mean, I think he's going to be a really, really good one. Uh, so he got a chance to get most of the work today, and, and uh, kind of Aiden had, had that, that day as well. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Sweeney was also asked about wide receiver Cole Turner and how he did. And it wasn't all great. Uh, there's still some little things. The minutia, you might say, about the wide receiver position that Dabo Sweeney is not enjoying, even, even from not just Cole Turner, uh, but from Bo Collins. Here's Dabo Sweeney giving a little update on the wideouts and what he saw specifically from Turner. Really good. Uh, huge play down the side. I had two or three. I think he was the lead receiver. Maybe him and Brenny. Uh, he had about four catches or so. I think Adam had three. Three catches. We spread the ball really all over. We had a bunch of bunch of guys touch it, which is going to happen in, in what we're doing. I mean, there are a lot of people going to touch the ball. Um, yes. But uh, uh, biggest thing with Cole is he's just. I want him to be. I want him to be a difference maker without the ball. You know. I mean, you got to impact. If you're going to be a great wideout, you got to impact the game when you don't have the ball. And he missed a big block. He missed a big block and uh, on, on the screen and. Got a guy blown up, and then we had a, you know, Bo had a hold in on a huge play by Maffa. Um, uh, we had a, you know, Noble had a hold in on a touchdown by Dominique, and so those are, those are, those are, those are losing the Clemson type plays, you know. So things we can clean up again, you know, we gotta, we gotta get our job done without the ball uh, as well. But you know, first scrimmage again, it'll be an opportunity for them to study the tape and learn from it. Dabo Sweeney was also asked about the freshman wide receivers in Tigertown, Tink Kelly, Tyler Brown, Noble Johnson, and if any of those guys managed managed to flash during the, the scrimmage in Death Valley on Saturday. Uh, same guys. I mean, you know, Noble, Tink, and, and, uh, and Tyler are, are really in a good spot. Ronan, is, Ronan has flashed. He's made, some, he's made some really good competitive plays. Uh, but he, he's he's probably got the most to learn, uh, you know, and, and, and he's you know at his position. Uh, but I feel really really good about you know the progress Noble's made. He's had a couple of pretty good days together. Uh, I think it's slowing down a little because because you know it's y'all heard me say. I mean it's it's Bo, it's it's Antonio, it's it's Adam and Cole and it's Speck. You know those are five guys that we feel like we can go play anybody with. And, and so it's about you know really developing some elite depth after that, and, and hopefully not having to start any of these guys, you know, uh, which we ended up having to do the last couple of years. We had to start Bo before he was you know really ready to start. We had to start Antonio. We had, we've had to do that a little bit uh, with injuries and stuff. So hopefully we can stay healthy and really you know bring these guys along at, at, at the proper pace and develop some elite depth. But, Man, Tyler had a Brown had a big play today. You know, Myson is a is a just a natural football. He's a baller. Kid's a baller. He's got no fear. I'm really, really glad we got those two kids. Um, and then Noble is is a big body dude that's that has made progress since the spring. You know, but again, uh, you know we don't we don't have to start those guys right now. You know, and uh, so we just need them to to really develop into the depth players that we need. And then hopefully, if we needed them mid season or later, they, they'll be ready for more. So not disappointed with any, anybody. It's a, it's a really good group. And Dabo Sweeney also mentioned Troy Stilato, and there was a lot of uh, conversations online about whether or not Dabo Sweeney was kind of dragging him. 
I didn't think so. I want you to hear the full statement that Dabo Sweeney made about Troy Stilato. To me, he's just saying, look, I'm tired of talking about him. I'm ready to see him play. I mean, that's the way I heard it. Here's that with just full context on how it went down. And then, you know, maybe we'll get Stilato out there next week. Uh, who knows? Uh, so, you know, let me tell you, that kid can play. Uh, but, you know, I'm tired of talking about him. Um, he can play. There's no doubt about it. It's just a matter of, you know, he's just got to be on the field. He can't play being on the field. And it's not that he doesn't want to be on the field. It's just he's had just – it's been a rough couple of years for him. But, uh, you know, it's, hopefully it's he's back sooner than later and he can he can compete. If he gets back, he can compete with anybody out there. So. Um, there you go. That's Dabo Sweeney talking about Troy Stilato. I mean, I, I didn't think that he was being overly negative there. I mean, and this is the part of the statement to me that tells you everything you need to hear. I'm going to play it one more time, just the beginning. Let me tell you, that kid can play. Uh, but, you know, I'm tired of talking about him. Um, he can play. There's no doubt about it. It's just a matter of, you know, he's just got to be on the field. I mean, what's, what's wrong with that statement? I mean, I saw people on social media just going, I can't believe, I can't believe Dabo Sweeney would rip a player like that. <laughs> like what? Did y'all did did you guys hear what I just heard? I mean, to me, it sounds like this kid can really play. Sure would be nice if he could get out there and wasn't banged up. Like you didn't call him out and say, Oh man, what, this guy's just terrible. This guy's soft. This guy can't take a hit. This guy's faking injuries. It's just, look, we think he could impact. We, he, he could have a big impact on this team. He's just got to be out there. I mean, that's that's the story. That's the case for every player, really. They can have an impact on the team. They just have to be healthy. They got to be out there. 803-450-0086. Text line, phone line. It is the show that shakes the Southland. Our website, put the .com on it. Doggone it. That's ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Quick break. Hang with us right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Clemson Sports Talk, the show that shakes the Southland on a Monday afternoon. Again, we've been hearing a good bit of audio from Dabo Sweeney from Clemson's scrimmage over the weekend. And Sweeney was asked about the health of the team just in terms of you know kind of where they are at this point uh, coming off of the scrimmage, and it sounds like things are are going pretty well so far. Pretty good. I mean, I didn't, you know, I, I think I know we had two or three guys go down, but uh, I think most everybody was, you know, okay. Uh, we'll, we'll see when we get in there. I, you know, um, uh, two or three of the guys that went out came back and continued scrimmaging, got resurrected, uh, so <laughs> they came back and. Um, um, I think we had maybe one guy that, you know, I got to check on, you know, that had to leave. It looked like uh, might have been a uh, little more involved, but I, I nobody came to me. So uh, that's usually a good sign, but I, I won't know until I get in there. One of the big plays in the ball game was an interception return for a touchdown by Cade Denhoff, and Dabo Sweeney was asked about the Cade on Cade play, and it took him a minute to pick up what the reporter was asking. You said the what? The Cade on Cade. Cade on Cade. Denhoff. Oh, oh, man. Oh, man. Oh. Was, that, was that a fumble, a pick, or it's a pick. sack? It's a pick. Okay. They, had a, they had a zone pressure called and, you know, just kind of fooled us a little bit. And Denhoff, was, he dropped into a into a hook zone, and, uh, you know, Cade just didn't see him. It was just a good call. The quarterback, Cade, didn't see him. And uh, <laughs> it was just a good call. And, and, you know, but a heck of a catch. That was the best part out of it. It wasn't just a – PBU. 
You know, it was a, it was a, it was a catch. Um, a lot of good things, man. Guys flashing out there. Uh, I tell you, O'Hoffler and Ojebwe, super excited about them two dudes. Uh, they, they're flashing. They're flashing. And I'm really excited about that. Hoffler's a big old body kid. Uh, just needs to wrap up a couple, a little bit better. Strozier, Avion, man, J. Lou had the play of the day. J. Lou had the play of the day. Big blow up. I mean, absolute blow up at the point of attack. And uh, it's good to see him. You know, uh, really the last couple of days, I think J. Lou's put a couple of good days together. D. Crate was a guy that's flashing, showing, we're trying to really develop some depth there, kind of forcing the issue. We feel pretty good about 54 and zero. So, you know, we, we're going to have them game ready, but we've got to, we got to, we got to really force the issue at that position. And it's good to see some of those guys. Kobe's coming on, uh, so starting to. You know, Woodass had a great play and a competitive play. He and Brini one on one today. So lot, there's a lot of good things on both sides of the ball. It's just a very competitive day. Uh, which, which is, uh, you know, a good sign for a first finish. So there you have it, just some of what Dabo Sweeney had to say. If you want to hear the full audio, we gave you a good bit of it, but if you want to hear it all, it's over on our website, ClemsonSportsTalk.com, and that's what we try to do here for you, especially coming off of a, a, a big event like a scrimmage in Death Valley. We want to make sure that if you're traveling home, if you're listening to the podcast, that you get a chance, you know, this is a part of your routine, right? This is a part of what you do, and what I don't want to have you have to do as a listener of this program is to listen to me tell you about the things that I heard when you could just hear it right here and be a part of what we do. And uh, plenty of those conversations come to us via the text line and the phone line, 803-450-0086, 803-450-0086. Don't forget, you can be a part of the program. You can leave us a message anytime. And, of course, our good buddy Jamal gave us a call over the weekend Jamal, what's up, man? Welcome in. How are you, buddy? Swanee, do you think Will Shipley can win the Heisman? Will Shipley? Um, I'm going to be honest, Jamal. If this was a different era, maybe. But what we've learned about the Heisman Trophy in recent years is that, I mean, it, it really has become a quarterback's, a quarterback's, trophy to win I mean it, and I hate it for the running backs but it, it's been the major shift in the game and I think we were talking maybe a week or so ago I can't remember maybe it was Tim Beret, um, about how the game's changed and just the the total amount of of passing yardage like Woodrow Dantzler was the first 2,000-yard passer, 1,000-yard rusher in college football history at the Power 5 level. It had never been done. Woodrow Dantzler. And now that's fairly commonplace. So much so that Deshaun Watson, who was not a Heisman Trophy winner at any point in his illustrious career at Clemson, Managed to put up 4,000 and 1,000. But if you look at it, I mean, just going back over the years, right? And, and if I skip Devontae Smith, the wide receiver at Alabama in 2020, and Derrick Henry, the Alabama running back in 2015, 
I mean, it's quarterback Caleb Williams, quarterback Bryce Young, quarterback Joe Burrow, quarterback Kyler Murray, quarterback Baker Mayfield, quarterback Lamar Jackson. You see the trend here? Quarterback Marcus Mariota, quarterback Jameis Winston, quarterback Johnny Manziel. Speaking of that, Johnny Manziel, I had a chance to watch a portion uh, of the Netflix documentary on Manziel. We definitely got to dive into that because... Uh, it, I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Like I thought it was just going to have it on kind of in the peripheral vision. No, no. I had to tune in. Uh, but that was 2012 with Johnny Manziel. Before that, it was Robert Griffin III, quarterback. Cam Newton, quarterback. You got to go all the way back to 09 to get Mark Ingram, a running back. And then prior to that, you got to go back to 99 for Ron Dane. It's just not a game that was that is a running back's ball game anymore in terms of winning the Heisman Trophy, unfortunately. I mean, look at the run from 1994, Rashawn Salam, 95, Eddie George, 98, Ricky Williams, 99, Ron Dane. I mean, you had a little stretch of running backs. You go back even further into the, into the 70s and 80s. It was a running backs award. 1973, John Capaletti, running back at Penn State. Archie Griffin, back-to-back at Ohio State. Tony Dorsett, running back at Pitt. Earl Campbell, running back at Texas. Billy Sims, running back at Oklahoma. Charlie White, running back at Southern Cal. George Rogers, running back at South Carolina. Marcus Allen, running back at USC. Herschel Walker, running back at Georgia. Mike Rogier, running back at Nebraska. Doug Flutie got it in 84. Then you're back to Bo Jackson, running back Auburn. I mean, running backs had their time. Unfortunately, this is a quarterback's award uh, in 2023, and I don't see a way for Shipley to get there. Final segment of hour number one here on a Monday afternoon. Clemson Sports Hall 803-450-0086. So my good news story of the weekend, uh, maybe more than any good news story is that of Justin Ross with the Kansas City Chiefs. Justin Ross, who, of course, while he was at Clemson, was diagnosed with a congenital fusion issue in his neck, had to have major surgery, missed a year, came back, wasn't, wasn't nearly the player that he was uh, his freshman year in Tigertown, where he showed glimpses of being maybe the next great Clemson wide receiver, yet was given an opportunity by the Kansas City Chiefs a year ago, uh, unfortunately was placed on injured reserve after having a foot surgery last season, uh, has come on with some highlight catches during the preseason camps. And then yesterday during the Kansas City Chiefs matchup with the New Orleans Saints, Ross came down with a 15-yard touchdown grab. Ross went across the middle, made the catch, got into the end zone, and I'll I'll be honest with you, looked good in his opportunities. Two receptions, 29 yards, and has seemed very confident, seems healthy, and perhaps could be a, a player for the Kansas City Chiefs this season that gets a chance to have a little bit of an impact. And, and man, you, you got to like that because, look, when it's, it's pretty clear. Like, when you go back and think about Justin Ross and think about his time at Clemson, I mean, he tracked. I mean, he was on track to be one of the, the big receivers. I mean, he, it, it was 
this guy is going to be the next, uh, the next New Hopkins going to be the next Mike Williams. I mean, he just kind of had that T. Higgins moxie to him, and then it didn't really pan out because of the congenital issue that he had with his neck, uh, and he never became the player that he was, as I mentioned, his freshman year. But if you are a Kansas City Chiefs fan and you've followed uh, his career and you know his story, then I don't see how you could not be excited after what you witnessed in the Chiefs' first preseason game. Taking a look around the NFL, the Carolina Panthers were hammered by the New York Jets 27 to nothing. Bryce Young in his debut with the Panthers, shaky at best, as the Carolina Panther offensive line was just atrocious. I, I think, if I remember correctly, Young got hit on like three out of the first six or seven times he dropped back. I mean, he was scrambling left and right, finished four of six for 21 yards. Uh, but again, I mean, just that, that's a, he's a smaller guy and he's got an offensive line in front of him right now that's a sieve. Uh, just terrible. Uh, also, some other notables, obviously, Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Trevor threw an interception on just his second play of the game. What's disappointing about it, by the way, Jacksonville won 28-23 to over the Dallas Cowboys. The play looked good, though. I mean, I like the way the play was setting up. Uh, just a, a great play by the defensive back for the, for the Cowboys. But that was Lawrence's only incompletion. He was 5 of 6 for 36 yards with a touchdown uh, and the interception. Uh, there were two wide receivers on that route as well. So maybe some miscommunication there. But but Trevor, uh, just looking the part. As a matter of fact, somebody that was watching the game with me commented on the fact that he looks like he's, he's again, put on some pretty good pretty good weight, uh, if you will. Not in, a, not in a bad way by any means. Just You, you can just see he's a little bit thicker than he was a year ago. As for the other games in the preseason in the NFL, Green Bay beat Cincinnati 36-19 Friday night. The Detroit Lions knocked off the New York Giants 21-16. Atlanta topped Miami 19-3. Pittsburgh beat Tampa Bay 27-17. The Washington Commanders topped the Cleveland Browns 17-15, excuse me, uh, and Denver beat Arizona 18-17. to On Saturday, uh, the Buffalo Bills beat the Indianapolis Colts 23-19. Chicago topped Tennessee 23-17. The Jets, as I mentioned, blanked the Carolina Panthers 27-0. Jaguars 28, Dallas 23. Baltimore beat Philadelphia 20-19. And the Los Angeles Chargers beat the Los Angeles Rams 34-17. And then yesterday... Kansas City fell to New Orleans 26-24, and the San Francisco 49ers got hammered by the Las Vegas Raiders 34-7. So some weird scores. You had a 2019, you had an 18-17, and a 17-15 matchup this weekend in the NFL. One thing I was disappointed in, not going to lie, I thought I was going to have the NFL Sunday ticket this weekend. I thought I was going to be able to watch Big Trev, the giant killer, and uh, you know his 36 passing yards and a touchdown live. I don't watch a lot of preseason NFL. I've told you that. But I got the season ticket, so I planned to watch Trevor Lawrence. Well, that didn't happen. 
And it didn't happen because, quite frankly, you don't get Sunday ticket apparently until September, I think, the 11th. So it was a, it was a, a bitter disappointment when I went to turn the game on and did not get him. The good news is this Saturday, 1 o'clock on the NFL Network, Jacksonville at Detroit, you will get to see Big Trev. You will get to catch that game. Uh, potentially, Deshaun Watson will also be on the television Thursday as Cleveland is at Philadelphia, 730, on the NFL Network. And if you're a Carolina Panther fan and you heard me talking about that offensive line, catch them on Friday at 7 o'clock on the NFL Network. So a chance to see locals and former Tigers on the NFL Network coming up a Thursday, Friday, Saturday affair for those matchups. So lock it in. Speaking of locking it in, keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As William Qualkenbush joins the program when we get back right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400 and, of course, on the iHeartRadio app. It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan. Ready, Just call me Swanee. Tiger style. Tiger Is our number two. That's drive time right here on the show that shakes the Southland. Clemson Sports Salt Lawton Swan hanging out with you on a Monday afternoon. And of course, William Qualkenbush steps into the arena to go one on one with the great one here on a Monday afternoon. Qual, welcome in, brother. Hope you had a great weekend, my man. What's up? Swanee, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm currently not outside, and if I were outside, I would have a very different answer because it is it is lousy. It is hot enough to make me think that football is right around the corner. How are you? Man, I'm good. You know, you're right about this. It, it was so hot. Like, first off, you know, I live in the Midlands. Uh, I, I'm used to, I'm a low country guy. I'm used to the warm weather. I started getting, like, heat advisory alerts, which never happens. And I was actually up in the mountains uh, over the weekend uh, up at Lake Lure. And usually when you go up into the mountains, there's a little bit of a, a, a pullback on the heat. Oh, no. It was full throttle, man. It has. It's been roasting. Yeah, I mean, listen, when, when Davo talks about, uh, I can't remember what he said in this post uh, coverage interview, but he basically was like, yeah, we had it, we had it easy when we went out to Jervy. Camp and, uh, So it needed to pop. 
That, yeah, I mean, that guy, that guy's like pouring sweat just coaching a scrimmage on Saturday. And I, I can only imagine what he looks like or what he looked like today after practice. So, um, yeah, it's, it's that time of year where uh, God's starting to crank it up just to make sure we know football's coming. Qualk, so you, you're familiar with Morgan Thomas. I know he does some work with you guys up there at 105.5 The Roar in the Upstate. Uh, does some tremendous work over on his YouTube channel, and he does some writing for us over on the website. Uh, I asked him the other day, we were talking about Cade Klubnik and you know what Cade could look like, and as we start, sort of started diving into it, you know, all the rage right now in the world of football has kind of been Johnny Manziel and this documentary that I guess is what Netflix has out right now. And so in doing so, I, I kind of got to see some highlights of Manziel. And I'm not going to lie to you, Manziel in that offense, of course, a lot of people may or may not know this, but it was Cliff Kingsbury, you know, by way of that Mike Leach tree that ran that offense, and you saw Manziel explode on the scene. And in an article today, Morgan kind of talked about, you know, what this offense in Garrett Riley, a similar system, could do for Kay Klubnik. I mean, are we on the verge of seeing a, a game-changing type offensive performance for Clemson in this new system for Kay Klubnik? You know, I think you might be, um, but there's a couple things. Um, one is, you know, Johnny Manziel is a one-of-one. And because he's a one-of-one, one, um, I, I, I struggle to kind of – I mean, it, it's just hard. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to make a, a legitimate comparison between him and anybody else, right? But I do think that in the style of offense that we're talking about here, that the, the aura, the specter of Johnny Manziel matters in this context, Okay. There is going to be a whole lot of ability, capability. There's going to be a whole lot of, um, oh, I guess the word is, I guess the word is there's a whole lot of trust that's going to be put in Kate Klubnick's hands. And because of that, I think he's going to have to make some plays. Now, like Manziel, at times with Kate Klubnick, you're going to have to be walking a bit of a tightrope. Um, that's, that's the way he plays. That's the way this thing is going to go for him. You don't want him playing it safe. You don't want check down Charlie showing up. You want him to feel empowered to kind of let a rip, so to so to speak. And then uh, you know that's that's what made Johnny Manziel is that he was in an offense that was able to let it rip. And um, so I, I would say I would say you know Johnny Manziel. One thing that I that I've got from the uh, from the Johnny Manziel documentary is just how unique Johnny Manziel was, and quite frankly, how. Uh, he does stuff that you wouldn't dare teach somebody. Uh, he does he does stuff and did stuff as a quarterback at Texas A&M that you would never ever see a quarterback coach try to uh, you know you would never see him try to emulate. You'd never see him try to try to make that beat right. because uh, because it's really antithetical to the way that coaches want quarterbacks to play the position. One thing about Kate Clemmick is he does possess some of that, and so uh, again I'm I'm kind of just thinking out loud. Uh, about this while we're talking, that may be something where Cade and Manziel are a little bit unique in that, uh, you know, in order for Klubnik to reach the peak of his powers, he's going to have to do some things that you can't coach. And I think, ironically, Garrett Riley getting him to do the uncoachable things is going to be a big part of his coaching task this year. 
is hit are his legs right now being undervalued? Like if you watch that documentary on Manziel, like that was the thing that I think we all kind of forgot. Is that an aspect of Cade Klubnick's game that he can bring to the table that maybe we haven't seen to the degree because he just hasn't had enough snaps and he really hadn't been in an offense that might allow some of that? You know, I don't I don't necessarily think so, but I think you're on the right track in in uh, in, in thinking about it and talking about it that way. Um, my, my hunch is that you will see a good bit of design runs from Kate Klubnick and you will see a good bit of, um, a good bit of allowing him to kind of do what he does in space. Um, the other part of that is I think that some of that is, some of that is the stuff that Clemson fans feel best about, right? I mean, there people, you, you, you talk to folks on the street and, you know, you hear from people, I hear from people. Folks don't doubt that Kate Clemmick's a great runner. Now, to your point, to what degree they value that, I think it can change. But I think that the stuff that people are a little bit concerned about with Clemmick is like reading defenses and making a proper throws and, and doing those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, I'm of the opinion that we're probably valuing his running game about the right amount um, because we assume that he can do it. And that is going to be a big part of the game plan for Garrett Riley in year one of this offense. I would also point this out. You know, the run game is, a, I think, is an undervalued part of offenses generally. So I, that's why I would agree with you, is that I think the run game is an undervalued part of offenses generally because it's so normal now. Uh, it's, so, it's, it's not a normal at all for a quarterback to carry the ball 12, 15, 16, 18 times a game. Right. Uh, but now, you know, that because that's not normal, the fact that you got a guy that can do that well feels like a dime a dozen. But the flair with which Kate Klubnick does it and the way that he can process information, if he's able to take a step that way, I think that's where Clemson can have the best of both worlds here. Uh, again, if he takes to the coaching and if Garrett Riley is able to wring every little bit of talent out of him from a pocket presence and from a throw in the football standpoint. So is it possible that a number two from the state of Texas in a Mike Leach-esque offense puts up big numbers? We'll find out as Clemson opens the season against the Duke Blue Devils on Labor Day night. William Qualkenbush hanging out with us here on the program. He's on Twitter at Qualtalk. Qualk, you talk about the running game. Obviously, uh, the two-headed monster that Clemson's got this year, arguably uh, maybe the best two backs you know combined in the Atlantic Coast Conference with Will Shipley and Phil Maffa, again, I, I think a lot of people really appreciated that in this quote-unquote air raid offense, you hear Garrett Riley talking a lot about running the football. Yeah, and you know what? Um, I think probably Garrett Riley comes packaged with a few answers on that. Um, there's two things that he makes sure that you know when you sit down and talk to him about his offense. One is that he uses the tight end, that air raids can use the tight end, and the second one is that they want to run the football. Um, you know, when you hear, I would say, people who know the game, who understand the nuances of different offensive schemes, talk about air raid, um, one thing that they'll, that they'll use to differentiate is this is a guy who is a pure leech guy. Like, there's a couple of – Phil Longo is one, pure leech guy. He wants to run it uh, only as much as he can set it up with the pass. He don't want to run to set up the pass. Uh, Gary Riley, I think, is going to go both ways on that. He's going to pass set up the run. He's going to run and set up the pass. He's going to use space, and he's going to use leverage to be able to create the types of matchups that he wants. And he also knows, like, he's not a dummy. He knows what we all know, that his two best, most proven playmakers, very, very uh, likely, might be his two running backs. 
And so one thing that I'm interested to see is how does Garrett Riley get Phil Moffa and Will Shipley on the field together? How does he accentuate their strengths and weaknesses at the same time? Is there more of a timeshare where you've got one back all the time? Does Shipley line up in the slot some? Do they use motion to get him out there? Those are questions I have about how to get arguably your two best skill players, and as you said, arguably the, the best tandem in the ACC and one of the best in the nation, uh, getting them the football and getting them on the field the right number of times, given what else you have at your disposal. I'll be fascinated to see where Jared Riley lands on this over the coming weeks and months. On Twitter, at Talk every day, noon until 3, out of bounds with Qualk and Ben, 105.5 The Roar in the upstate. And from there, you kind of look at this group and – uh, obviously, you and I have touched bases uh, about the defense and the expectations that are there. Uh, we know that there's going to be a tremendous amount of depth on that defensive line. But what do you make of not just the, the weigh-in that Xavier Thomas had, Qualk? Uh, obviously, Dabo Sweeney saying the other day that he was a guy that was a problem. And then additionally, uh, just a change in his physique. I mean, if he can stay healthy, I, I don't know what the – you know, like what the you, you would say about a kid coming out of high school, right, as a five-star, like the sky's the limit for this kid. I mean, I don't know what that limit is for him at this point in his career, but he looks as good as he's ever looked, and I don't think it's even close. Swami, he looks like not a real human being. <laughs> uh, he looks like a cyborg, legitimately. The Doc Walker cyborg uh, is walking around at Clemson's campus right now. Uh, Xavier Thomas doesn't look like a real person. He looks so chiseled. He looks so cut up. He looks like he's slept in the weight room for the last three years. I'm just jacked up to see if he can stay healthy. Because one thing that we know is that, boy, uh, we're about midway through camp. We're getting there. Um, this is the part where you start noticing who is and isn't available. And you can start exhaling. Don't exhale all the way, Clemson fan. But you can start exhaling when you get to the midway point of camp. You get to that, you know, that first scrimmage perhaps, and a guy's been there every day. He's not wearing yellow. Obviously, stuff can happen. But uh, I'm, I'm so excited to see what Xavier Thomas can do because it takes a lot of pressure off Justin Maskell to just go and play. Um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty common refrain to think and, and talk about Maskell as maybe Kevin Dodd 2.0. I think that's fair. Um, at least from, uh, you know, years in the system, growing into a role. He's older than everybody, you know, chance right. to, to show out with an opportunity here because of maybe a, a dearth of talent at his spot. Um, that's, I mean, I think that's just a mascal, but his job becomes much, much easier if Xavier Thomas is on point. And, uh, by the way, I was reading in the Athletic, uh, they did a, uh, around ACC kickoff, they did sort of uh, ACC superlatives. And uh, who's the who's the defensive player that you least want to go against? And a bunch of different people uh, chimed in. And um, Jordan Travis said Xavier Thomas was the defensive player he least wanted to, to go against. And uh, coincidentally, Swanee, Jordan Travis had to face Xavier Thomas when he played like six snaps and won ACC Defensive Player of the Week. So he knows the per snap potential that Xavier Thomas has. And if he is healthy for more snaps, then I think that potential is going to be more and more realized. Yeah, those two guys combined have more years in college than you and I do. I mean, that's how long both, <laughs> both of them 
<laughs> have been around. Uh, all right, Qualt, shifting gears. AP Top 25 came out. Look, I know it's preseason polls. They don't really mean a whole lot. Georgia dominated the poll. I'm sure you touched on it. 60 first-place votes. Clemson just behind Florida State. The Tigers sitting there at number nine. Kind of a similar feel, look and feel uh, in the top ten to what you see in the coaches' poll. Is that accurate in your estimation? Should Florida State be ahead of Clemson at this point? I know it's preseason. I know it doesn't matter. But is that the way you would have them, have them stacked up at this point? Yes. I think Florida State should be ahead of Clemson. And here's why. Because you've got a better quarterback situation. You've got a similar line of scrimmage. You've got more proven skill. Your defensive line is very good. Your secondary is better than Clemson's based on what they showed last year. And uh, you know what? Uh, you've got a you've got a program that appears to have matured to this moment. I don't think there's a uh, look. And I'm not saying the Florida State's going to beat Clemson. I'll, I'll finish my thought here in a second. But I, I just think if you're looking at it from 50,000 feet or even from 10,000 feet, you can see there's maybe a little bit of difference in Florida State over Clemson. Now, one of my colleagues said this uh, today. He said there are going to be some media members who pick Clemson to beat Florida State who are now going to vote Florida State ahead of Clemson in the AP poll. That's correct. I would do that. I don't see any. Uh, I don't see any illogical nature to that. Like I don't think that's illogical at all. And here's why: when I'm going through uh, conference standings, I'm looking at way more factors than who's better on paper. I'm thinking about where the game is. I'm thinking about history between the two teams. I'm thinking about coaching. I'm thinking about uh, timing of the game. I'm thinking about schedules, strength with the inbound schedules and all that. That I'm thinking about so many more things than who is better. And if I'm doing a preseason poll, here's the way the preseason poll should be used, Swami. There's some people that want to be right. So they set up their preseason poll based on what they think might happen. I don't have any illusions that I'm going to get everything right, so here's what I think. I'm going to make my preseason top 25, my preseason poll, I'm going to make it reflect what is true in the moment to the best of my ability. And then if I need to radically change that thing after one week, I will. If yeah. I need to radically change it after two weeks, I will. But I don't think it's inconsistent, logically inconsistent, to say I think Florida State's better than Clemson, but because the game's in Clemson, because Clemson beats them every year, and Clemson doesn't lose ACC championships, then I think Clemson's going to beat them twice during the year. William Qualkenbush again on Twitter, at Qualktalk. All right, final uh, little little conversation point here for you, Qualk, because I know how uh, dedicated you are to the men's basketball program and covering them as well. I know today their non-league schedule came out, but also we got updated on the matchups for the uh, 2023 Asheville Championship. Uh, they'll be up there playing in that with Davidson in Maryland along with UAB. Uh, on a scale of, say, 1 to 10, I mean, this team right now, the top two returning uh, point scores in the Atlantic Coast Conference – uh, with Girardi from Syracuse and then, of course, P.J. Hall at Clemson. I mean, give me some insight. I mean, how are you feeling about what Brad Brownell is going to be able to run out there? I said this last week, Swanee. I think it is fair to suggest that we may be talking about two NCAA tournament teams on the hardwood at Clemson this year because of what the women's basketball team has. They have their most talented team in a quarter century. And then you have a men's basketball team that has, you know, like one major hole in Hunter Tyson. But they've got a really talented group. Um, they've got a, uh, a bunch of second- and third-year guys that are ready, uh, and they are able now because of, uh, because of their, their, their time has come uh, to be able to emerge into better roles. 
And then they got a schedule for it. I mean, look, we know that Clemson kind of got screwed by the scheduler a couple times last year. If you're able to beat Iowa, you can play uh, TCU instead of Cal. That's big. That was big last year. That ended up being a huge game from the standpoint of the non-conference schedule and the RPI. You're not going to have that issue whether you're playing Davidson or Maryland. Um, you've got a UAB on there that's not bad. You've got a, um, you've got a team like Radford that generally is not bad in there. Uh, and then you've got Alabama, South Carolina, GCU again, and uh, you've got a road game in Memphis. There are a lot of quad one and quad twos in there swatting in the non-conference so that no matter what the ACC has, you're going to start from a better spot than Clemson started last year. Given that and the talent and maybe a little bit of mediocrity within the league, I could see this being a top five or six team and going to the tournament. I really could. There you go. That's why we bring him on every week. William Qualkenbush again on Twitter at Qualtalk every day, noon until 3, out of bounds with Qualk and Ben. Qualt, we'll talk to you next Monday, and we'll be uh, just two weeks out from the Tigers and the uh, Blue, Blue Devils facing off there in Durham, man. It's going to be exciting. Man, get ready, Swanee, and stay cool. There you have it. William Qualkenbush here on a Monday afternoon. All right, I mentioned that 2023 Asheville Championship bracket. I mentioned the Clemson basketball schedule uh, being put out. At least the non-conference schedule is ready to rock and roll. We'll give you a look at that and much more here on a Monday afternoon as we roll along right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400, the Midlands, and, of course, heard around the world on the iHeartRadio app, plus plus uh, the AP Top 10 that I mentioned I told you Georgia came in dominating at number one. I mentioned Clemson being there at nine. Florida State obviously ahead of the Tigers at number eight. We'll give you a look at the AP Top 25 here on the program as well as we move through, as Qualt mentioned, man, a hot, hot Monday afternoon. Stay with us. The show that shakes the Southland Clemson Sports Talk on Swan website coverage of your Tigers. ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Again, K. Clemson's potential in Garrett Riley's offense. Could it be a Johnny Manziel-esque season for K. Klubnik? And and I'll, I'll bring this up because the article mentions the the kind of combination of of these two guys in this offense and and Kingsbury and of course the Rileys, Garrett and Lincoln. Kingsbury is now back with Southern Cal. Uh, that relationship, the offense coming through Mike Leach, uh, yada, yada, yada. I, I take you down that path to say there were some things that I saw watching the documentary on Johnny Manziel that reminded me kind of of Cade Klubnick's kind of herky-jerky, up-tempo pace. And and I was like, yeah, hey, you know what? It, it looks a little like him. And so we asked people, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the article that we put up over on Facebook, when we posted it, you know, what kind of numbers... What kind of stats do you think that Cade Klubnick will put up 
during his you know, first season as quarterback at Clemson. Now, as a freshman, Johnny Manziel, winning the Heisman Trophy, threw for 3,706 yards, 26 touchdowns, and 9 interceptions. And again, the game has changed in the past decade. That was 11 seasons ago with Johnny Manziel. All right. Chris says 28-52 passing, 27 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, with 6 rushing touchdowns, and a 63% completion percentage. By the way, Manziel that freshman year rushed for 1,410 yards along with 21 touchdowns. So again, that would not be sniffing Johnny Manziel's numbers. He put up 47 touchdowns. All right, but Chris, man, thank you for chiming in. Chris said uh, the only reason the yards aren't higher is that Ship and Moffa are going to have a lot of touchdowns, and we'll see the backups getting significant playing time with many games decided early. Steven chimes in, says 3,500 yards passing and 32 touchdowns. That's closing in on the passing yardage Manziel put up in a 13-game season. Uh, that is exceeding him in touchdowns. Uh, Spencer says, just stay healthy. Thomas chimes in and says, let's get this season started. I'm ready to see some Clemson football. Frank said that Max Duggan, who, by the way, was one of the runners-up for the Heisman Trophy, almost had 3,700 yards passing and 32 touchdowns last year, and he got benched early in a couple of games. Cade has a much higher ceiling. We have more talent around him. So he says he thinks he can get close to Duggan's numbers. Robert says, my thoughts are his inconsistency had more to do with the quality of the play calling, offensive scheme, and performance. I see Kate Klubnik going throwing for an excess of 3,000 yards passing and Shipley rushing for 1,500 yards or more. He said if the, if the wide receivers live up to the Clemson standards, he thinks Clemson could throw for over 4,000 yards this season. Dale, now this seems like a bit of a stretch. He says 3,500 passing and 18 to 2,000 yards rushing, but maybe he's talking about 35, excuse me, 3,500 passing, and maybe he's talking about 18 to 2,000 combined rushing yards between Shipley and Maffa. Because it looks like it may have kind of turned uh, on a dime. Jimmy says, blah, blah, blah. Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> Ron, <laughs> Ron says, 8,700 yards passing, 62 touchdowns. <laughs> Put him in the Heisman. Oh, man, and thank you to everybody. We had a lot of people. A lot of people chime in. Uh, but but the majority of people have him around 3,000 yards passing and 25-plus touchdowns, just eyeballing and, 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 and taking it all in. And maybe that's the case. Again, Johnny Manziel's numbers were incredible, and I, I don't think that you, you know when you're, com when you're talking about comparing him to Johnny Manziel, we're not talking about off the field, Johnny Manziel. We're talking about on the field, in this system. And it really does make you, you know, get the feeling 
that this system, based off of everything we hear from the coaching staff, from the players, etc., it does make you feel like the the chances of success on a lot of plays are greater because Clemson seems to take advantage of what's being given to them. And I think it's interesting because what the old system seemed to be, and, and again, I am winless and undefeated as an offensive coordinator. But in the old system, it felt like pre-snap, Clemson was trying to figure out where they could take advantage, and then that was the play. And then if that wasn't there, there might be a one check down. But from what most people kind of give us an indication about it is there were a lot of dead routes being run that really weren't involved in the play. Where now, to me, it feels like things are going to be made more along the fly and everybody's involved. And so if you see something, you take advantage of it. And that's where you get the the vibe that this offense is going to be livened up quite a bit with Kate Klubnick at the helm. But again, you you just don't know until you get back out there. And, get, and, you know, and Dabo Sweeney can talk about the stats and the numbers and everything that happened in that scrimmage on Saturday. But the reality is until it's live action, until you're on the road in Durham under the lights Labor Day night, it's not, you cannot simulate game speed. You cannot simulate game pressure. You cannot simulate what it takes to stand in the fire with players breathing down your neck. And that's the thing that you just have to accept right now as a major unknown if you are the Clemson Tigers. You don't know what you don't know. Stay with us. The show that shakes the Southland Clemson Sports Talk on a Monday. So uh, a strange turn of events in the story of Michael Orr. I don't know if you all saw the movie The Blind Side, but the Tui family who had, you know, the movie was was based on, quote, the extraordinary true story uh, was about the book that eventually became a film that was nominated for two Academy Awards, including Best Picture. It was a great movie. Uh, had such a, a heartwarming side, if you will. Well, apparently, Michael Orr, who did go on to play in the NFL, uh, called a, quote, supposed adoption now out of poverty into a wealthy family in 2009, uh, petitioned a Tennessee court Monday with allegations that a central element of the story was a lie concocted by the family to enrich the his to enrich itself at Orr's expense. This team is your family, Michael. When you look at him, you think of me. How you have my back? Are you going to protect the family, Michael? Yes, ma'am. Now, what I remember that was the clip from the movie in Sandra Bullock. I remember thinking Sandra Bullock just I didn't like her character. And now looking at photos of the actual family and Michael Orr. Uh, maybe I was getting the right read on the mom. I need to go back and re-watch the entire movie. But in a 14-page petition filed in Shelby County, Tennessee, 
uh, in probate court. It alleges that Sean and Leanne Tuey, who took Orr into their home as a high school student, never adopted him. Instead, less than three months after he turned 18 in 04, the petition says the couple tricked him into signing a document making him their conservators, which gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name. The petition further alleges that the Tuies used their power as conservators to strike a deal that paid them and their two birth children millions of dollars in royalties from the film, while Orr got nothing for the story that would not have existed without him. In the years since, the Tuies have continued calling Orr their adopted son and have used that to promote their foundation as well as their work, Leanne Tuies' work as a author and motivational speaker. The Tuie family did not return phone calls Monday to numbers listed for them. Their attorney declined comment to ESPN saying that the family would file a legal response to the allegations in the coming week. There's a lot here that I don't understand um, about this, if I'm just being honest. And again, I'm not trying to say that I think one side is right or one side is wrong. I truthfully have no clue uh, as to how all of this actually played out, right? But, if I may, I do find it incredibly peculiar that this took nearly 20 years to come to light. And what I really can't wrap my mind around is why, for Michael Orr, this wasn't an issue sooner than 2024. 2023, you know, some 19 years later. Now, according to the article I read about it, their relationship actually started to decline after the movie came out, and it was discovered that the movie portrayed Michael as unintelligent, and their relationship continued to deteriorate after he learned that he was the only member of the family not receiving royalty checks from the movie. And it was permanently fractured when he realized he wasn't adopted and a part of the family. Now, I had not heard anything about this. And I really can't understand how Michael Orr, who was in the NFL, would have obviously known the movie existed, how he wouldn't think that he was due some royalties from this movie that was about his life. Like, to me... There's parts of this that I just go, how how did you not know? And then I, I think the other thing, maybe he made so much money in the NFL that he just didn't care. Or it wasn't a big enough of a of a deal for him to you know worry about. But maybe now he's looking at his income. And thinking, hold on, maybe I should have figured something out. Now, I'm not saying he's not due the money, okay, first and foremost. I I believe he should have been getting his cut given how the movie is really just about him for the most part. 
And I certainly feel like the Tui family would deserve some cash because this movie is also about them and their role in what happened. But how did it take 20 years for for us to get to this point where now he talks about how you know he wasn't actually adopted? Honestly, there's so much here that I do not understand about this Michael Orr situation. I, I was looking in his career, he made about $34.5 million, comes out to about $3.4 million per season. And that's good money. Uh, obviously, I'd take it, but it's not great money and and so to get to this point nearly 20 years down the line for me I'm being honest with you I mean I, I just didn't see it coming I don't know that anybody saw this coming because although the story at times like I said I didn't didn't necessarily love Sandra Bullock's character per se I definitely have been blindsided by this news today Pun intended. Uh, pun intended. 803-450-0086. Text line, phone line. Give us your thoughts. Because I don't know where to rank this in the stories of great movies that I've watched that have now kind of turned, if you will. But that story was an amazing one that will never be seen as the same. And I'm actually looking forward to going back and re-watching the movie one, to see if I still feel the same way about Sandra Bullock's character, or maybe now I'll feel worse if indeed what Michael Orr says about the situation is true. What have you done for me lately? It's a fair question. Just don't lose sight of the bigger picture. Don't forget history. Lucky for us at Clemson, the answer to the questions, what have you done for me lately? What have you done always are the same. We win. Final segment on a Monday did not give you the rundown of the AP poll. We will do that now. Uh, it's on our website as well, ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Again, out of the gates, heading into the 2023 season, the Georgia Bulldogs, the reigning, defending, back-to-back -back national champions still on top. They got 60 of a possible 63 first-place votes. Followed that up by the Michigan Wolverines checking in uh, at number two with two first place votes. Ohio State comes in at number three, receiving one first place vote. Alabama is four and LSU is number five. Checking in at six, Southern Cal, Penn State seven, the Florida State Seminoles chiming in at number eight. 
Your Clemson Tigers come in at number nine, and the Washington Huskies come in at 10. Number 11, the Texas Longhorns, and 12, the Tennessee Volunteers. 13 is Notre Dame. 14 is Utah. Number 15, quack, quack, the Oregon Ducks. 16, Kansas State. 17 is TCU. Number 18 is Oregon State. 19, Wisconsin. Number 20, Oklahoma. 21, North Carolina. Number 22, Ole Miss. Number 23, Texas A&M. And number 24, Tulane, along with Iowa, coming in at number 25 at the bottom of the AP poll. Now, for our fine-feathered friends peeking over the fence and hanging out with us, all you Gamecock fans. So you could continue to peek over the fence at the best radio show in the nation. I know what you want to know, Swanee, where are we? Well, Texas Tech technically would be 26th in the polls, and South Carolina would be 27th. So the Gamecocks just outside the top 25 in both major polls. Clemson just inside the top 10 in both major polls. The Gamecocks picked up 73 votes uh, in the AP poll. North Carolina sitting there at number 21 means that with a victory against the Tar Heels, the Gamecocks would most certainly move into the top 25 of both major polls, in my opinion. Just kind of looking at where they sit and where they've got to go given the matchup that they uh, face off against. Just behind South Carolina's UCLA, uh, that would be 28th. UTSA, 29th. Arkansas uh, would come in. At 30th, I believe, looking at the numbers. So uh, that's the top 25. Again, the South Carolina Gamecocks just outside of both polls. Uh, the Clemson Tigers inside the top 10 in both. And behind Florida State in both. So I think the question probably becomes for a lot of people is where are Clemson and Florida State as they enter that first matchup of the season? The Seminoles uh, could be in the top five because, of course, they open with the current number five team, the LSU Tigers. That matchup set to take place at Camping World Stadium over in Orlando, Florida. So that'll be a big, big game, obviously, given the fact that this is a top ten matchup. I think everybody is ready to watch this one. It was a crazy finish a year ago with... Florida State coming out on top, just holding on for victory. And now the questions surrounding the type of season that the Seminoles are going to have could very well come down to uh, perhaps how that game plays out. Because Florida State, with that type of opener, you know, it, it could be you take an L, it could be a little tough road. Uh, following that, they face Southern Miss. You should be able to handle business there. You've got Boston College. Then you travel to Clemson uh, to take on. Actually, they travel to Boston College. Then they travel to Clemson for that matchup on September the 3rd. The Knowles also take on Virginia Tech uh, at home. They take on Syracuse at home. They host the Duke Blue Devils. They travel to Wake Forest. They travel to Pitt. They host Miami, they host North Alabama, and then they travel to Florida for that matchup between in-state rival 
the in-state rivals uh, with the Florida Gators. And as for the Gators, uh, they announced this weekend that Graham Mertz will be their starting quarterback. Mertz, of course, the transfer from Wisconsin. He will be the Florida Gators starting quarterback as Billy Napier ventures into his second season as the head coach down in Gainesville with a ton of pressure, ton of pressure to succeed. He'll give the ball or he'll put the ball in Graham Mertz's hands uh, as Mertz is a guy that had four years at Wisconsin and now will take over in Gainesville. Uh, He is a junior, so technically he could play, I guess, another season uh, as well, uh, given the fact that he was in school during the COVID year. So uh, these guys aren't going anywhere anytime soon, uh, obviously. All right, we got to get out of here. We'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Until then, as always, y'all take care now. And go Tigers! With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.